Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters. It's ladies night with me, Steve Wraith, and uh, tonight we've got Kendall, Sav and Samantha. Good evening, girls. Hiya. Hello. Uh, we're missing one tonight. Uh, happy birthday to Katie. Um, I'm not sure what she's doing. Does anybody know? No, she said she was getting kidnapped at 7 yeah. o'clock. So. She said she thought it was Alan Shearer coming to take her away. So, yeah. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> she thought, she thought. <laughs> too, busy, too busy probably selecting his team for his first game in charge under the new ownership <laughs> of uh, Michael, Michael, Michael Shopra and uh, the, um, the, the, the whatever whatever it is, BN Consortium. Uh, yeah, we've got to laugh every time you hear BN uh, Consortium. Um Obviously, we're going to be looking ahead uh, to, to all your questions, guys. And I can see there's lots of questions coming in already. Um, Samantha came up with a... She's, she's great at trying to get us away from the takeover, which we all fully support. So uh, we're looking uh, tonight for your suggestions uh, for the best and worst buys for Newcastle United. So that's British and abroad. It can be anybody. Um, we did say that that has to exclude uh, exclude Shira and Solano. Uh, we all love them. But, I mean, essentially... You know, give us your best and worst buys for Newcastle United in your time as a supporter. Just ping them in and uh, we'll get through as many of them as possible. I'm sure we'll start, uh, um, you know, with them quite quickly and we'll be able to talk about them. Uh, Peter Robson, evening, mate. Question for all. If Ashley was to suddenly start funding the team, facilities, a new manager, and really try to push us forward, would we be content and accept them? Um my answer quite quickly is, uh, uh, you know, at this moment, I would take anything. I'm, I'm just sick of the whole takeover thing. Would I take Mike Ashley if he did all of that? Um, God, yeah, look, it's all about the football club. So I, I would probably say, you know, if we could have ring fence guarantees, not that you'd ever get them, I would say yes. Kendall, what's, what's your takes on that? Yeah, I was going to say, just don't know how long it's going to last for. Because, I mean, when Alan Pardew was manager, he did invest in the squad a little bit, didn't he? Like when we signed all them French players. But <laughs> so yeah. ever since then, I mean, it's been pretty like dire. So, I mean, I'm on the same board as you, Steve. I would, if it's going to invest in the club and we are going to progress and there is going to be some guarantee somewhere that he's yeah. going to continue doing that, then yeah, fair enough. But I mean, I'll not forgive him. I'll not forget. But <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I would agree. Samantha, is it the same for you? Would you would you accept Mike Ashley? You know, if, if it was some kind of guarantee that he was going to be, you know, su supporting Newcastle United and, and giving it his best shot. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure I would accept it, but as you said, it's the best thing for the club. There, there's real broken down trust, and it's been a very long time. You know, the the longest time that I can remember in my lifetime, um, where kind of you know, the enjoyment of being a Newcastle supporter, apart from a few peaks, has been sucked. The life has been sucked out of it. So, I mean, if you get those assurances, why not? If it's investment in the club, investment in the area, it's him trying to welcome supporters back in and, and that side, maybe. Can't see it happening, but if it did happen, you know, you would have to try because at the end of the day, it's his club unless something changes and supporters can get onto the board or in a share in the club. We don't really have much say. Sav, has Mike actually done too much to, to Newcastle United to, to warrant an opportunity to, you know, to maybe stay on? I mean, I, I personally feel 
as Mad, Mad Mark's been mentioning there about this agreement that's been signed, I personally feel that Amanda and Mia Dad and the Rubens and PIF are working tirelessly behind the scenes to try and uh, come up with some kind of compromise, which the Premier League will go for. But, you know, worst case scenario, all, all cards off the table, all bids off the table. And we have to settle with Mike. If, if he started putting stuff back in, you know, money back in and, and really, really going to town with a football club, could you forgive him? Would that be some sort of dream world situation, though, where he'd be in that sort of mood? I mean, well, I know, I is that the dream <laughs> you had, Steve? Yeah, was that the dream you were referring to? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I did talk about it before we came on air. I had a dream about Mike Ashley the other night. We were both fully clothed. There was nothing going on. It was uh, literally just woke up in a cold sweat and uh, went up and went to the toilet. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I think, we're, I think we're all probably going through some kind of take. You know, we're clutching but... at straws when we're talking about with yeah. Mike Ashley started putting money into the club and caring this about is yeah, I think I think you're right, Sav. I think um, you know, I just hope I just hope and pray that we can get this get this through. And um, you know, obviously the the thoughts of you know Mike you know Mike Ashley staying on, I think would terrify like most supporters. But you know, we all just want what's good for the club. I think you know he's he's had his day, um, and and you know it, it's you know I just can't, I can't see that happening. I do personally feel that we'll move on, and I do think we'll have uh, new owners. Mad Mark says uh, me and Dad thought it was necessary to bring the fans' attention at the start of the month. It's still an issue for the Premier League. KSA continued to make it a priority tackling piracy for Vision 2030. Yeah, there was a post on his um there was a post on his social media on his Twitter of uh, something with regards to that. So a lot of people feeling that's a big uh, you know a big thing. Um even Steve Kendall Sav, Katie and Samantha were Katie's not yet. I would just like to say I hate the Premier League for how they butchered our takeover and how they've gone into hiding. But of course the NUST uh supporters trust um have one of their quarterly meetings uh, this this week on Wednesday. Uh, they will be in front of Richard Masters uh, with about six other clubs, I think, Sav. And it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what questions are actually allowed and, and what questions they answer. Uh, I see there's been a lot of backwards and forwards on Twitter about this. A lot of people maybe putting suggestions in for questions there. Do you think do you think Richard Masters is going to give them much chance and, and much chance to speak? Do you think, you know, and what, what points would you like to see the trust put over on Wednesday, Sav? I mean, no, to be fair, I don't think I think he's the statement that came out was a load of wild waffle, really. And that didn't really make masses of sense. Um, and I think if he's asked, you know, to comment too far, he's not going to say anything, is he? They don't answer any of our questions. Yeah, I mean they don't. I mean, and and of course, this is other Premier League teams as well. I think the last at the last count, I saw six six teams mentioned who'd confirmed attendance. And uh, of course, fair play to the the trust have got this onto the agenda, Samantha. But what would you, you know, what would you like to see the trust use this opportunity to to gain from from the Premier League? I think it's great that they have a presence there, first and foremost. It would be interesting to understand who the other six clubs are. Um, you know, they they put out some questions, which I think are fine. And I know that there was a lot of conversation on Twitter about other questions that should be asked. But we have to be mindful that it's not an open audience for the Premier League. We can't have, you know, 20 questions. And also, we need to be realistic about what information will actually come out of that process. So mm. the only question additionally that I had thought of was the fact that, you know, when they 
they had come to this impasse in the deal and they said that they would potentially have to get a third party, you know, someone separate from the deal involved. Apparently, that was only offered on the last day of the exclusivity, however you say it, um, that part of the deal. So, I mean, that's very late in the day um, to offer something that I didn't feel had a particular place in it. I don't know if they'll answer that or not, but um, definitely around the timelines, definitely around leaked communication, because it is clear as night and day, you know, that that there is communication that has come out in newspaper articles beforehand. And I don't know how the Premier League can say that that's not the case when word for word, there are parts of communication that are in print before they've been made available. So um, maybe questions around those, but like Sav said, I don't really think that much will come out of it, but it's it's good that they have the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Kendall, same question to you. I mean, what would you like to see the Trust, you know, communicate to the Premier League and do you think they'll get any answers? Well, I think obviously they'll probably say, there'll be a briefing beforehand, they'll say, you're not allowed to take up the whole night with takeover questions obviously I know they'll probably say that because they don't want to say too much in it as we saw in the letter Um, I think when I was reading it the only thing that wasn't I mean a lot of it wasn't directly answered it was sort of roundabout trying to get the blame off them but um, I think the only thing that wasn't answered at all was what influence the clubs that objected to the takeover had on the actual decisions that were made um, there was not really it, all it said was that the clubs don't like the member clubs don't have um, any influence over the orders and directors test but that was it. it didn't sort of say what it was taken into account obviously as we know a couple of the top clubs had um, objected to the takeover so I would like to see that be asked um, and maybe I don't think they'll answer it to be honest because they'll probably say that they're not allowed but um, or they'll say you know they don't have any influence over such mm. and such as they did in the letter. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be, they'll say, right, the spotlight's not been on that. We've released a statement. Don't, you know, delve into it any further. Um, so yeah, but the most of the time, it's just about getting the blame off them and not really taking any accountability, which is what we've seen the whole time. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's, um, you know, look, as, as I've said right at the top of the programme there, I think it's commendable that they managed to get that onto the agenda. Um, you know, at least we know that they're not going to be, you know, completely running away from it. Do I expect to get any answers from this uh, of any significance? No, I don't. And, you know, ultimately, I think it's just another it's another talking shop and um, very little answers will be given by the Premier League. And essentially, all we want is answers and, and, and we want to see this go through. But as I've said, I do feel, um, you know, in, in the conversations I've had over the last few days that we will certainly see, you know, something happen, uh, whether it's positive or negative, remains to be seen. So, of course, over the last few days, we've been hit with a second uh, a second wave of stories and uh, articles. Uh, Liam Kennedy from the Gazette broke a story about Michael Chopra, um, essentially, who was uh, heading a, a new consortium or certainly facilitating, attempting to facilitate the deal uh, by a new consortium, which is the Low Brothers. Um, so as soon as that happened, as soon as that news, uh, news broke, everyone was suddenly Googling who these people were. Uh, a lot of photos did then come out um, of the Low Brothers with uh, Barack Obama. And uh, 
a little bit of, a little bit of google search obviously brings up these photographs which uh, is quite clearly at a meet and greet the kind of thing that i do when i put events on in, in newcastle and um the, uh, the the interesting thing about this photograph of course and obama in that potential photograph is that there was also a photo there of um you know obama and then we have this one and as we can see it's it it has quite clearly been uh, a little bit of transference from one photo to another, a bit of Photoshop, and it, it appears that they're guilty of at least Photoshopping that photograph and making it appear that it was somewhere that it wasn't. Now, Sav, what's your gut instinct about the Chopra, uh, the Chopra-led consortium? They've apparently put a bid in. We know it's quite clearly a lot less than um, the Amanda Stavely and PIF and PCP have put in. We're led to believe these people have a lot of money to spend. Um, the reason they would put a low bid in, of course, is because they can. I mean, Mike Ashley's done a deal with PIF, but is the football club really worth the same amount of money that they bid for in January when we've been hit with COVID? We've got no no crowds coming back to St. James's Park for the foreseeable. Um, I don't know. What, what's your take on the whole thing? You know, I've just found it massively entertaining in the last couple of days. And those pictures, I mean, I had a good bit of a Google round and I couldn't find anything prior to June about them. And, you know, their photos, they look like cartoon characters. And I've just, it, it just all seems a bit weird and a little bit suspicious to me, to be fair. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I've had, a, I've had a Google. I found one of them on um, LinkedIn or whatever it's called. I found her on there, but... It was just a pretty bog standard, you know, it looks it's, it's so much has suddenly come out in the last sort of couple of weeks about them. And we've never heard about them before. What did you find on LinkedIn just out of interest? I saw somebody commenting on that. Is it just like a personal account? Is there much on there? Um, half of it was Chinese, um, but there was sort of like her previous where she'd worked and things like that. Um, but nothing of any extensive, you know, it could have just been set up just to look like and I mean I don't even know I think the comical thing Samantha is that it's it's obviously BN uh, and of course we're all now <laughs> so used to seeing BN but we're thinking about BN sports that is, is that a coincidence who knows I mean you know the same as Sav I'm I'm off work um and the weather's horrendous here so this morning when all these stories were coming out I spent a lot of time kind of googling and interacting with people on Twitter having a joke and, um, you know, I can kind of connect the dots up to the point where the group is formed, you know, because it was her businesses, their project that came together in June. So, you know, I can connect the dots. Why they would buy a football club at this point, I just can't get my head around for a newly formed entity with what they do. Could it be for publicity? Yes. I don't know why. Um, the fact that there is some evidence of, you know, the, the the statement of intent and the finances. You know, I wouldn't profess to know anything about those, but they're there. Could it be something with somebody pulling the strings in the background from any of those parties? Maybe. I mean, I just think it's something that's come out of the blue. I can't see a reason for it if it happened amazing depending on what the project is but um yeah it just as the, the girls have said it's so strange how it's come about and the fact that it's publicity drawn from 
from the start. Um, yeah, it's, it's just odd. Does that set the alarm bells ringing when they go for publicity straight away before literally, literally as the ink's just dried, uh, you know, on, on, you know, on the offer, Kendall? Yeah, I think as we've already learned from the past five takeover attempts, the fact that it's gone public straight away before, you know, a formal bid was made and stuff isn't good news. It's meant to be confidential, as we all are aware of by this point. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it probably is a move for publicity. Um, it probably also is in terms of publicity for them. If they are genuinely serious about buying the club, obviously it's to, you know, make the fans aware that they're serious about it to try and get on board with the bid instead of being negative because I know a lot of I have seen in the past few days like a lot of the fans are like don't want to believe I mean I'm one of them as well don't want to believe in it Um, a lot of fans I mean even some of the comments have said they still believe that the Ruben brothers Amanda Stavely etc are in the background trying to work on the deal still Um, so whether or not it is for publicity for them I don't know I think it probably works both ways and it is just like it's like a parody at this point BN being like the doctor's photoshop like how we ran I could have done that it's like one of them really rubbish Instagram filters where you're just like off. like it's just I don't even know why you do that and as Sam says obviously you can't you there's not a lot of information prior to like mid this year I mean even the Twitter account was only started in August um obviously whether or not I haven't really delved too much into it but whether or not the whole joint venture is very brand new but again why would you your first thought then to be go to buy a football club when Evangeline Shen who's obviously the female part of the deal she owned a jewelry company like yeah it, just, it, it I mean it doesn't all match up but as you as we know now Sky Sports have obviously came out and said that there's genuine documents in place there's been £250,000 deposit to enter, to access the data um and obviously a formal 280 million pound bid so i mean it's 70 million pound less than the very original price that obviously mike ashley wanted i know he accepted 300 from um the consortium pif so it just i think it all depends now on how genuinely willing he is to sell but as i've seen today i don't think he's too keen on this bn group no, I genuinely can't see, you know, at this moment in time, there's only one deal on the table. A lot of people asking, is the deal still ongoing? Is it still there? Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, you just need to look at the social media uh, media of me, dad, you know, Gaddusi, he's, he's certainly still, you know, putting out various things. Some people found it quite amusing that he put out Rick Astley, never going to give you up. I, I certainly did. Um, but I, I just genuinely feel that they still feel at the table. And Mike Ashley won't want to sell for a penny under what he's already agreed, despite banking £17 million in, um, you know, in, in, in an advanced fee. Um, I found it quite strange as well that, you know, he was prepared to accept £250,000 for accessing the data room. I presume that's probably non-refundable, as was the £17 million. I mean, Mike Ashley could string this along for a while, you know, making a lot of money out of uh, just taking money off people to have a look in the data room. And it was quite funny watching all the pictures go up on Twitter of empty empty rooms with just computers in and things yesterday. Um, we're having a lot of response to Sam's uh, Sam's um, best and worst buys. Um, we should have excluded Joe Linton, uh, uh, Mr. Carter. You're definitely right, Jason, because uh, he's getting a load. He's getting a load of votes, Joe Linton, and I'm up. I'm always conscious of the fact whenever we mention him, it turns into a bit of a side shoot of the shows. But um, yeah, Billy Whitehurst has been chucked in there as a potential worst buy. 
There's a few votes for Frank Pingle, Bobby Shinton. As for best buys, we've had Nobby Solano, of course, Rob Lee, uh, Gary Speed, uh, Alan Shearer is coming out heads and tails above. Peter Beardsley, second time round. Um, as well as is, is a good shout. So uh, a lot of people also feel that um, you know that, that there's been uh, you know a couple of recent signings who've really who've really stood out. Johan Kabay and uh, Martin Debravka as well, of course, who uh, is still Newcastle United's goalkeeper. So yeah, keep those coming in. Uh, best and worst signings that would be great, and um, we we will read as many of those out as possible. Talking of Alan Shearer, Sav. He's been mentioned as a potential manager under BN. Um, now, again, you know, putting your sceptical hat on, um, Alan Shearer, of course, very rarely comes out and talks on anything to do with takeovers. He's, uh, you know, he's contracted to the BBC a match of the day. He's not allowed to be too political. Um, obviously, no comment from Alan. Would you have Alan back in the dugout as a manager to uh, give it a second crack? No. <laughs> no, I just I just don't think that's for him, to be honest. Um I noticed actually his son Will would like something on Twitter um, about that being a rumor, but whether or not he just liked that because it was a laugh, or whether he was being serious, I don't know. Um, but no, I don't. I just couldn't see him doing it. Yeah, Alan Shearer, Sam, what's your take on that? Would you take Alan Shearer back in the dugout? I, I prefer, personally prefer him back on the pitch. <laughs> I love Alan. I mean, I would love him back involved in the club. I don't think he had a, a decent shot the first time around, but I I just don't get the sense of him being a manager. I don't see those qualities. I think he has a lot of qualities. And I think he's got a good thing with match of the day. So I don't I don't see him being a manager, but I would love at some point someone that takes over the club to welcome him back with open arms because I just think it's an absolute travesty. He is in no way really associated with the club. Um, so, you know, hopefully there's something in the future, but I just I just don't see him as a manager. Yeah, Mad Mark says best, best signing for him was Andy Cole, worst CM Dion. Could you believe that Luke De Jong actually knocked Man, <laughs> Man United out of the cup last night, by the way? Knocked him out of the semi-finals. It's just a grow, collective groan on, on social media last night when they saw him get the winner in the semi-final. Unbelievable. It's always uh, like that gets players that like end up being unreal elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. like, like, remember Torvan? Like he was like yeah. the worst crap ever. Like we were like, oh my god, what has Steve McLaren done? I can't believe this. And then now he's like in the front squad it's like yeah what, like why is it all why is it us joe little go to man united and score 50 a season probably that's probably yeah i mean that <laughs> might be taking it might be taking it too far that like but you never know you never know and john doll thomason won the champions league you yeah. know, he, he got he get chucked he got chucked in when uh shearer got his horrendous in, uh injury down at everton and um he looked awful. Um, you know, there was a player there, but he just never scored goals. He was, you know, he was just unfortunate. Possibly goes goes on and, and wins the Champions League. You just never know. You never know what's going to happen in football. What about you, then, Kendall? What's your takes on Alan Shearer? Would you would you like to see him back in the dugout, suited and booted? You know, picking the team. Uh, well, as you know, we, he didn't inherit the squad in the best form. We were practically relegated anyway the last time he had a goal. So I mean, he didn't have the best go the first time around but as everyone else has said I really don't think that it's for him I know he said in the past that like he wouldn't actually give up he's presenting like you know ventures for to go back into management Um, he said that on a couple of occasions so clearly he's not interested in being a manager and that's fine like I don't mind that at all but 
as Sam said, and obviously we had the conversation about Kevin Keegan the other week, um, I would like to see him as an ambassador or as something within the club, you know, like to have a bit of say, to do some publicity for us and to show that like, you know, he's, he is still connected to us because obviously now he can't have too much to say about it. But I would like to see him in some capacity, just probably not as a manager. Yep, I agree. Uh, Sav, uh, let's go back to uh, Samantha's question about best and worst uh, signings. Give it, give us yours. Plenty of them coming in tonight. Actually, I'll just sort my worst one. Um, Michael Owen. I think he was so bitter. And I, still to this day, you see the odd article come out where he's whinging. And I just think, you know, he didn't deserve the shirt. He didn't want the shirt on. So he would be the worst for me. Um, best, obviously, you've got Alan Shearer and Solano. Um, to Bracker and Shah, I think visually is very pleasing to watch. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know you were going to say him? <laughs> Any dreams about Shah this week? None. I'm gutted. I keep trying. I keep going to bed looking at his photo. Nothing. I'll send you Mike Ashley. Don't worry. Oh, no. <laughs> Samantha, what about you? Uh, your great idea for tonight. So uh, give it. Give us your best and worst. I really struggled with this. Like it was brilliant kind of thinking about all the players over the years and the categories and some of the categories, I cannot just limit it to one because some of them have been absolutely horrendous. So in terms of best of British, uh, I went for Gary Speed and Peter Beardsley um, because I just adored Gary Speed. I thought he was absolutely fantastic player. Um, and Peter Beardsley's second spell, as someone had said before, Twinkle Toes. I mean, I really was only, I was quite young. Um, so whenever I was watching him in that second spell, I just couldn't believe that what he, the control he had with the ball. Um, my worst signings, Mike Lone, we talked about, but also Alan Smith was the biggest waste of money for such a long time. And the fact that I think he left us and went to Knotts County and then MK Dons. We paid him 60 grand a week for a very long time. And it was just, you know, that the injury at Man United wrecked him. And then he just became someone that wanted to break legs on the pitch and wasn't very good at it. Um, in terms of kind of the players from abroad, um, I have three for my best because I struggled. Shea Given, Johan Kabayan, Laurent Robert, um, all fantastic. Shea Given was just. I know we talk a lot about Dubravka at the minute. Shea Given was outstanding. And I mean, we kind of broke him to the point where he had to leave. You know, when I think Liverpool beat us, you know, 5-1 at the time or 5-0. And that was kind of the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back for him in terms of the direction of the club. Um, Johan Kabay, I absolutely adored. And was again heartbroken when he became a bit of a mercenary. Um, and Lauren Robert, his left foot was just absolutely sublime. Um, the worst, I have four. Wow. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't choose. So I've got Damien Duff, and not just for the relegation, because he wasn't great. Um, Cisco, don't think we need to say much about that. Why we signed him. Um, just beyond me. Um, Albert Luque that someone mentioned, nine and a half million, did nothing. And Marcelino. I mean, yeah. the guy broke a finger and didn't play for, you know, the guts of 18 months or something. So uh, it was really good fun kind of thinking back on the players that we've had and 
you know, we've we've had some absolute stinkers, but we've had some absolutely fantastic players. Um, and hopefully, you know, maybe the current crop, there's one or two, uh, but yeah. hopefully in the future we'll get back to maybe having one or two more. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I really, really enjoyed kind of going through that. Yeah, I can tell you went went in depth as well. Probably probably took a couple of mine as well, who I would probably would put forward. Kendall, same question to you than your best and worst uh, home and abroad players I, that we've signed. I have a list, yeah, my list's long. Especially, <laughs> especially for the worst abroad. I've got about seven or eight. <laughs> there's just there's so many to pick from, but British best ones, obviously I put Shelby, um uh Ferdinand, obviously great player um and then i put milner as well but only because of what milner's become yeah like now so like i feel like maybe we had a part to play in that probably is not but that's just that was just <laughs> my opinion um, and then i obviously had michael Owen down as worst for british and um sol campbell as well um oh, I mean, campbell what a good show that is yeah. by the way <laughs> Phil, yeah and also i had like louis saha because he sort of did nothing he had 11 appearances and did like nothing at all um best for abroad i had ben arthur because ben arthur is probably my favorite player that we've ever had even though we didn't have him for that long um ginola kabai and then obviously i put saint maximin for like now because of just what the past season's done but obviously that's only very new so you can't really say much put demba bar Papa Cissé, mm. because of just their partnership. I mean, at first it was didn't go too well, but then they scored so many goals between them for us. Um, and Rondon as well, just for, you know, sentimental mm. value and what he did for us at the time when the club was in dire straits. So, um, worst, obviously Joe Linton's on there. Chef Kikuki, <laughs> what's he doing now? Facundo Ferreira, what's he oh. doing now? <laughs> I put De Jong's times two because I had them both. What did they do? Nothing. Cisco. I also had Matt Sells as well because... Aww. He was terrible. Butterfingers. Um, poor Matt Sells. Always felt a bit sorry for him. Um, and Syvet as well because we've still got him. And um, yeah. What is he doing? Like what? I haven't seen him play for I literally don't know how long. And he's still there. Like he's got some like soul tie to the club or something. I just don't even know. <laughs> oh, is that your end of your list then? That's just about, yeah. But I could probably go on forever about that, but yeah, just about. Well, could I'm, I'm I've obviously I've just gone through my list and I'm taking a couple out because obviously they've been mentioned by a few people. So I mean, from my perspective, and I've been a little bit, a uh, little bit, a little bit, a little bit loose when you say foreign. Um, but I, I've I've added Ian Ian Rush into my list because he's Welsh. Um, I, I thought he was horrendous. He scored one goal in a quarter quarter final at the FA Cup, but we didn't see the best of Ian Rush uh, at all. He was he was awful. Uh, John Allen Boomsong. Um, another one who, you know, was was woeful in a black and white shirt. Um, and Mark Viduka, um, absolute mercenary, came at the same time as uh, somebody who was on the English list, um, Michael Owen, of course. So both in the relegation side that year, both absolutely awful. Um, other names that came up for me as worst players, Mike Hooper. Um, as oh a goal, Mike Hooper was my mm -hmm. dad's housemate for literally fifteen years. <laughs> 
I mean, the best thing I saw him do was working on the door down at the red line in Chester Street. He did that okay. Um, but as for, as for a goalkeeper, absolutely awful. I also stuck Lionel Perez in there, um, who people will remember mainly as a Sunderland player, but he did come to Newcastle, of course, and uh, and, and have a have a have you know have the odd game. John Carelsey probably gets a mention as a goalkeeper as well. Um, Mark Stimson, going back a little bit further... Um, Mark had this horrendous, horrendous uh, habit of just picking the ball up at fullback and passing this crossfield ball to nobody. Um, I've, I've also added Kevin Dillon. Now, Kevin played well. I've just put that in from a purely spiteful p uh, point of view because for, for, for every game he played, I put a pound on him to be first goal scorer. And of course, if you check the record books, he never actually scored for Newcastle. He then signs for Reading and scores on his debut. So I'm just putting him in just for the sake that he cost us a fortune. And then when had the had the absolute nightmare of doing that like when he when he started playing for Redden, that really upset us. Um, best players, of course, like most people have mentioned, Alan Shearer. He's he's always going to be on your list. Um, Celez, um, Gary Speed, and of course the best pound for pound ones had to be Beardsley. Uh, both times, Beardsley, Beardsley in eighty eighty three, of course, helped us get promotion, and then mm. of course Beardsley in the nineties um, established us as one of the uh, the top Premier League. Uh, sides on our return so you know easy to, easy to pick those Rob Lee easily the best pound for pound sign and everybody says it Brian Kilcline another one who you would mention because of what he did in the you know in the in the season to keep us up and then subsequently getting us promoted and then from foreign from foreign imports they've all been mentioned you know the the, the ones that I've watched like Robert like Janola like Tino, and I have to say, in in recent times, I would agree with Demba Bar and uh, you know Johan Kabay, especially in teams where they probably weren't you know expected to do well, and, mm. and and they actually did. So yeah, hey, great great players, keep them coming. I'm sure we'll get more from uh, you know from people watching. There's been some absolutely brilliant suggestions. Uh, Tom Dixon, he says we won't hear from Richard Masters until the Premier League starts again. Plus, I'll be surprised if he comes out and talks about Newcastle. Um, thanks for that, Tom. Mark says, have you seen the Man City fly in the world documentary? Wow, it just shows how far behind we are with our facilities. Desperate for investment in the club, neglected for far too long. Now, I haven't seen this documentary. Um, I, I, you know, have you seen it, Sab? I, 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 you know, have you watched any football kind of documentaries? Do you enjoy watching them? I've, of course, I've watched the Sunderland soap opera, um, mm -hmm. but I, I've never seen the Man City programme. I haven't seen the Man City one. I watched the Sunderland one. That was a brilliant comedy. Um, but no, I haven't, I haven't seen that one at all. But I can only imagine because just looking at the state of our training ground, you can imagine we're head and shoulders behind everyone else. Yeah, I agree. Um, have you watched any, Samantha? Have you watched the in for watching these kind of documentaries? I do enjoy the fly on the wall thing, and I mean, I, I did enjoy the Sunderland one, I've got to be honest. Yeah, I love the Sunderland one. Um, I felt a bit sorry for the kind of people, but. Um, very interesting the way that you can kind of run a club into the grind. I watched a little bit of the Man City one. I find it a little bit indulgent, to be honest. Um, although their facilities are fantastic, but you know, without sounding bitter, would they get three on owners and directors test now like they did in 2008? And you know, I actually listened to a podcast on The Guardian kind of about their ownership structure and how they changed it just after we got the deal in 2008. So I mean, they've pumped, I think, a billion into the club. Um, so, yeah, we've got paddling pools in our training ground. 
Um, but I do enjoy them, and I'm I'm really looking forward to watching the Spurs one that comes out on Amazon at the end of the month because my brother's a Spurs fan, and I think it starts with Pochettino getting sacked um, and Jose coming in. So um, I do enjoy them. Uh, it's very interesting the way they're edited, and it gives you that insight on what other clubs have, and um, then you kind of look at what we have and <laughs> pray for a takeover. Yeah, exactly. Kendall, do you watch these programs? You get a, you know, do you, do you get a chance to watch them? Yeah, well, I don't get too much of a chance, but I've just started watching the Anelka one um, as well. Misunderstood. So, um, yeah, I seen the, I seen a bit of the Man City one, um, and yeah, we still haven't called baths in bins. So what I mean, what do we really expect? Like, I can go and have a cold bath in my backyard, like <laughs> in the bin, not that I would, but I could. So like that just shows how far behind we ha we are, like. As Sam says, we still got paddling pools, and if you look at the training ground, it's just it's had no sort of input and investment in absolutely years. We're like a million miles behind anything, um, especially for a Premier League club. I mean, I would even dare to suggest that um, some of the even newly promoted clubs and Championship sides maybe have better facilities than we do. Um, obviously, not all of them, but the ones who are more at the top, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and that's one of the things that I remember I was so gutted about when we let Rafa go because he wanted to invest in the infrastructure of the club, in the academy, in the training facilities. Um, I think there was like rumours that, you know, like a, the training ground um, to be expanded was knocked back and things like that. And that's just what infuriates me because obviously he's another year where we've had no investment in that side of the club. Um, so that's why everyone got so excited over the takeover because they wanted to invest in the club, they wanted to invest in the area. So, yeah, it's just a bit of, like, just a bit down, really. Hatton Ben Arthur, Andrew Davis mentions, was his best player. Worst was Dumbia. Do you remember him? Dear me, how he looked about yeah, 70. Well. God, it was a strange signing as well. Was that a last-minute signing in the transfer window or something? Yeah. And everyone was going, who on earth is that? Um, that we were supposed to buy the guy from West Brom. Um, mm. What was his name? Sadio Berahino? Yeah. yeah, it went on for ages, didn't it? Yeah, and then we didn't get him when we got that guy in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I remember that now. Uh, Coochie, yes, keeps getting a mention. Woodgate, a lot of people say that. Yeah, Woodgate was a good defender. I actually um, I actually named Woodgate and me one of my favourite all-time 11s. And then Steve Howie was on the uh, blower, asking why I hadn't put him in. Uh, Tim Krull, uh, miss him now. Another good shout. You forget, I, I, you know, you've probably gone into this in right depth. Yeah, Tim Krull, really, really good. Marino, yeah, you know, wouldn't wouldn't say he was a great player. Um, has he gone? He's gone on well. He's gone on to do well as well, hasn't he? Somewhere. Yeah. Does he play back in Spain again now? I yeah. Think he's just won. I can't remember who for now, but. Um... I think I think he's just won. I think he's just won Player of the Season somewhere as well. You know, it's uh, incredible incredible to think that that's the case. So we're another week in anyway. Another week. Um, another week begins and, and now the players are back in training, Sav. So we're still being linked with Hendricks and, you know, they keep saying it's nearly over the line. But as, as of yet, the only thing that's happened over the last few days since we last spoke was that Woodman's committed to the club and has now gone out on loan. Um, are you optimistic we'll see a little bit of business and perhaps see Hendricks come in this week? Whoops, just gone. Samantha, I'll come to you. Yeah, on, I think... I think, you know, he was booked in for the medical, might have gone through it today. I think he's a, he's a decent sign-in. It's not rock and roll, but it's needed for numbers. 
I don't know where we're going to go in terms of signings. We absolutely will say it every week. We need a number nine. We need to spend all our money on a number nine. Chris Woods is the new name that's came up and thinking about potentially, you know, the system we're going to play. I think he'd be a good shout. Um, you know, he was fantastic at Leeds. He does a job at Burnley in a, a different type of football. So you would hope that's the priority. Um, what frustrates me more than anything is our inability to work on more than one deal at a time. Um, I think, I, I don't know what the club's prioritising and I know that it's a different environment at the minute and getting the squad back and the COVID testing and all of that is, you know, a lot to kind of juggle. But we we really need to be getting another two players in probably by the end of next week. Um, the free transfers, I think, are a little bit more difficult because that market's saturated. There's a lot of people looking at them. I know a lot of fans are frustrated that we don't seem to be or we're not perceived to be making a real push towards Ryan Frazier, for example, who I think would improve our squad. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams looking at them and trying to balance their books and make deals. And it means that, you know, the bracket for him in terms of signing on fee and wages he can almost ask whatever he wants. So I think that's the position we're in. And we're so rigid in terms of our structure that once it goes above that threshold, it's on to the next. Um, so I think it's going to be a last minute rush again. Um, and I, I would be surprised if we got more than Hendrick plus two or three players. I, I think it'll be difficult. And I think two of those will be loans. I would say we'll maybe buy one player and that would be it. Yeah, I've got to agree. Uh, Sav, welcome back. Uh, essentially, same question I asked you before. Just about the players, you know, obviously we're getting linked with various players and Hendricks possibly in this week, but uh, not a great deal of being, not a great deal of business being done so far. No, sorry, I keep dipping in and out. My dad keeps ringing me and he knows oh. I'm busy, but that's the only reason why I keep randomly going. Um, yeah, I mean, they, as far as I know, Hendricks supposed to be imminently being announced. He had a medical on Friday or something. Um, but I haven't really seen much else. I saw something over the weekend about us, you know, swapping Richie and Gail in. I think it was for Wilson. Um, you know, I'm not emotionally ready to part with Richie yet, so I wouldn't be very happy about it. And also, I think we need to keep Gail for the moment because we haven't got a decent striker. Yeah, no, strike as a priority. It's got to be, Kendall, hasn't it, really? Everyone, everyone says it who comes on the show. That's why I was so surprised when obviously we've been linked with Jeff Hendrick and also Chris Smallin in the last few days. Um, I know he'd been offered to the club, but apparently he's not interested in a move to the club, which is fair enough. He's been doing well in Italy, just if he wants to do that, then let him crack on. But yeah, it, would, it surprised me that we were sort of going for a centre-back when obviously striker is our main. We are desperate, desperate for someone who's, who scores goals because, like, you know, even if it was someone who wasn't you know like the best striker in the whole world but he had premier league experience and he had goal score guarantees um i mean we've just let lazaro go today go he's signed for borussia Mönchengladbach today i'm absolutely devastated i practically cried when i saw that this morning um not for footballing reasons but a bit um, <laughs> but yeah like we're letting players go we'll end up signing bent and I, I just know we will like steve will be like oh we've got imminent signings and it'll be bent 11. 
and like, <laughs> and then like oh, and Tom Allen signed a new deal. It'll be like something like that, and that's what frustrates me because, like, as we we know, there's a couple of free agents, there's a couple of players who'll be relegated who will be decent. Like, I just want us to do something of merit, like something that would make sense instead of just buying who we think <laughs> because Steve wants English players. Like, go away. I I just don't want Brexit football. I want nice good football like just do something good I'd, honestly I think it's just especially when the club's in limbo at the moment as well when we don't know if there's going to be a takeover we don't know what the investment's going to be but regardless of what's happened we need to do something because we're now what three four weeks away from the start of the league again um, and obviously as we know we can't enter next season with no signings so I think we desperately need to get something done Jonas gets a mention. Yeah, another another good name. I saw Colacini. Uh, Tom Dixon mentioned uh, Col- Colacini. Uh, Stefan Givosh uh, for for one of the worst and one of the best players. Kevin Nolan again, uh, another good servant at Newcastle United, and uh, a lot of people will always remember that game against uh, against Sunderland, of course. Um, yeah, where do I where do I think we'll go on transfers? I, I think you're right, girls. I think we'll end up in this position where you know we we get a couple of loans in. Um, will we get the centre forward we're all craving for? Um, uh, you know, un- under this current regime and under the current circumstances, I very much doubt it. And I think if we do, it'll be down to good luck. And I think the frustrating thing for me, watching like Mike Ashley's you know, CEO, if you like, uh, Lee Charnley, is that he seems to do business one deal at a time. He seems, it seems like, you know, highly unlikely that when he's working on one deal, he's, he's got his, his eye on another. He, he does one deal at a time. And that's why Newcastle United tend to miss out on on signings. And, and it's why any hesitation that's shown, I think we tend to see, you know, players think, well, you know, I'd rather go to somewhere, somewhere that wants me, you know. And, and, and it's that old problem as well isn't it sab where if if a player's you know put out there for 30 million pounds you guarantee your castle will go in with a bid of 20 and then try and negotiate and the reason that another club wants 30 million pounds is because that's what the player they think is worth they don't suddenly go oh yeah well you can have them for 20 yeah well exactly i mean and that's why you know and like the budget sort of this summer it's nothing and you know it's so frustrating to watch it all the time and then you think back to like last year, what we paid for Jolinton, and you know, I just I don't even know anymore. It's just it's just like a joke. You go in every day, you see everyone else signing players, and we're just sort of at a standstill, not really doing anything. Yeah, uh, local hero says sources close to Alan Shearer on a Monday on Monday night denied any involvement with BNG. Well, there's no great surprise there, but yeah, I mean, it, have you noticed that Samantha? When you know when the transfer window come round, we always seem to be looking for a deal. You know, I, I think that maybe stems from when we were you know in the in the European market and when we we're signing a lot of these French players. When we signed the likes of Kabai, Dembabar, and etc., we seem to be quite cute at negotiating and buying them for next to nothing um, and then selling them on for a profit. Do you think Do you think that's where Lee Charnley's got that from? Because he, he just doesn't seem to go in and try and do the correct thing. Possibly. I mean, you look at Mike Ashley's businesses, always looking to do a deal. Um, it's been our strategy and the reason that it, he, they give it as a selling point is you want 30, but we'll give you 25 million up front no staggered payments, no other clauses. We'll give you the cold, hard cash. And for some clubs, it works. 
but the market changes year on year, yet our strategy hasn't. And if this guy's supposed to be a savvy businessman, then he should appreciate that. What I think is really interesting when we look at the bids that are going in for the club at the minute, that everybody's saying, well, he wants 350 million, which is ridiculous in the current climate. Um, people are lowballing him going in with 280 and it's laughable and they're tire kickers and they're this and they're that. And you think that's the exact strategy that you use for transfers for Newcastle United. Um, so I think it holds us back. I have absolutely no time at all for Lee Tranley. I'm not a fan of Steve Nixon. We spend months preparing transfers. We sp I don't know what budget we spend on scouting players and finding out everything about them. There's reports of how much work we did checking in the Jeff Hendrick for this deal. I mean, come on, it's free transfer. He's played for Burnley in the Premier League for X amount of years. Um, but we put that much work in. So, um, you know, we, we miss out on opportunities, as we spoke of, because we feel like, maybe we feel like we need to do so much due diligence on all these deals because Mike Ashley didn't do it on the club when he bought it. Um, but it just sets us behind. And I'm not saying that I want this to waste money, but I think we need to take a chance. I think we, you know, if you've seen a player, if you know a bit about them, if you talk to a few people, you put the bid in, you go in a bit closer to what they want and you try and get it sealed, especially in the current circumstances where we desperately need certain players in certain areas because we've been relegated twice and he's had to put his hand in his pocket on those occasions and those occasions have been his fault. I just feel like we're constantly going around in the same cycle and you know we were very lucky last season we were really really lucky we didn't play well it was a mess the tactics were a mess we did have injuries granted we didn't buy particularly well you know when you weigh it up even with the loans we are going in for a carbon copy season in my eyes um with a little bit more experience behind the team playing together but with big gaping gaps that we should be going in and getting sorted out straight away. And I would actually say for the striker, we should be overpaying for the one that we want because of what it will bring to the team. Yeah, good points. Well made, Samantha. Kendall, do you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. And the problem is now, um, obviously, I mean, under Rafa, we made some really decent like signings for minimal money. So obviously, Dubravka, Shah, uh, Fernandez, you know, all um, very low cost and they've ended up being total like pillars of the team but unfortunately now the position that we're in is that we don't have that pull Rafa Benitez was the pull to the club you wanted to play under Rafa Benitez like he's a world-class manager he's won nearly every domestic cup that you can possibly win and that was the pull but now as a club in general and it's so it's such a shame how far we've fallen we're not that club anymore where players think I want to play for Newcastle I want Steve Bruce isn't the person that they want to play under I don't I don't think a player is going to sit there and think oh I'd love to play under Steve Bruce I love his tactics like that's not we don't have that opportunity and we don't have that over anybody else in the market right now and um, which is another issue when we're going in for players and we're offering below because the player's just going to sit there and think well I'm going for money and I'm going to play football I'm not going for what the club is and um, so that's where the loyalty runs out because they don't want to play for the club they haven't got the passion for the shirt um 
so we're struggling we're always shopping in the bargain bin last minute getting deals over the line to get two days before the window closes um and as you say working on one deal at a time in this current market when people are doing business day in day out when there's certain players there's a minimal group of players from relegated teams that other teams are hoping to get on you know really good deals and we're not we're not offering good enough money for them we're trying to get them for 10 million under what they're worth and it's just like it we need to be better we need to be more proactive um and we need to understand now that it is mostly about game time and money for players who obviously would you know if man united came in for them they'd want to play for the history of man united but as i say we're just we just haven't got that pull anymore yeah fair fair point um last 10 minutes of the show fa cup replays have been scrapped for next season um do you agree with that sav uh yeah to an extent um i think that sometimes you know but then again it's like i saw yesterday someone said like for the smaller teams the revenue that that brings in of having a replay um you know you know that sort of you know that brings money to the club i mean i I, th- I do agree with it, but then I don't on the same hand. Yeah, Samantha, what's your take on that? I mean, you know, they've got to look at it because we could end up in lockdown again. And um, I suppose they're looking ahead to, to, to potential situations which might arise. I don't agree. I think it's suited for towards the bigger clubs. I don't think it gives an opportunity for the lower clubs. They deserve their payday. My only kind of caveat would be that then all the games are played at the stadium that generates more revenue, um, especially if it's during COVID, because they, they need that payday. Um, it's, <laughs> it would certainly be a problem for us if we didn't have replays, because that's going to put the cup competitions out of our remit straight away, considering the luck of last year. Um, but I was quite vocal on this when it's, it was spoken about previously. Um, as I said, because it's geared towards the bigger clubs, you know, they have tight schedules. It's difficult for them to fit games in. I don't really care. I don't think that's fair. That monopolises the competitions. You know, there was uproar when Liverpool put their under-23 squad in because they prioritised the World um, Club Cup. So just do that and just make sure that everybody else has the same opportunity. Don't take it away. Um it's probably one of the things I'm quite passionate about because I feel like it's going to happen anyway and I don't think that it's fair for the majority. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think, um, I I believe, you know, it's down to COVID and nothing else and I think we'll see a return to replays, you know, should we get back to some kind of normality. Kendall, what's your view? Yeah, I'm very similar. I do believe that it is geared towards, you know, the top clubs and the ones who can afford to um, just play their the games there and whatever i mean fair enough if you went and said champions league um europa league we're not going to have replays that's fair enough because most of all of the of the teams in that are very obviously they bring in a lot of revenue they're big clubs they've got global followings um so that's fair enough but obviously as the replay it's you know the excitement of having a big team at a smaller ground it's the money that it brings in it's the television money for example that you're not going to get any more it's going to be just obviously once and it's going to be harder to show different things on the tv and um obviously what as we all know you I mean, sometimes you believe in it, sometimes you don't, but you have an advantage if you play at home. And unfortunately for the smaller teams, when they're already under advantage, I mean, well, not against us because we've lost 
some like teams like ridiculous <laughs> over the last year, few years. But um, when the smaller teams, they're already getting advantage, a disadvantage, sorry, it's going to be tougher for them. So I do think, as you say, it is more to do with COVID and that genuinely I do hope that they do bring it back for the FA Cup. But for things like the Champions League, I don't mind one match knockouts because the excitement obviously we saw with Bayern Munich and Barcelona the other night, you don't get games like that when there's replays. So that's fair enough. But the FA Cup, I do think that it definitely needs to be obviously reviewed after we hopefully get into a sense of normality again. Yeah, just the last point really on uh, war flags is display, Sava. Uh, obviously, they, you know, they, they basically walked away from the club when Rafa left and uh, that was their biggest form of protest yet. But uh, the uh, the new flag was well worth the wait, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think they did a brilliant job with that. And the reach that it had around Twitter was brilliant. You know, it, it needs to be said. And, you know, it's, it's just... It, it sent out a message and it went round, you know, it went round Twitter and it was brilliant. Yeah, Samantha, I mean, a great, great, you know, great display, wasn't it? Just a pity that, uh, you know, they've had to go and, and do something like that. And, and of course, they did it for free. Uh, you know, they managed to get the money them, together themselves and, and put it out there. They weren't doing a, a war flags campaign to, to get that, that piece of that masterpiece out there. Yeah, I mean, they're an absolute testament to the club. I was so happy that I saw it. It came out of the blue. You know, I would usually just keep my football talk for Twitter, but I shared it on all my social media and, you know, a couple of people asked questions about it because, you know, it needed that visibility. It was so... I, whoever came up with that, I, the idea, and I think I the, the person that put the design tweeted it, you know, is a genius because I think in that visual image is everything that we are thinking at the minute. Whether it's right or wrong, that's the perception that we have. And perception can kill you. Um, so the fact that it was there, it was outside the ground. I'm not sure how long it was outside the ground for. Um, but yes, as Sap said, it went all over Twitter. And I think, you know, it was another point of recognition for us as a fa fan base that, you know, we're not going to let this go until we have better answers that at least kind of satisfy some of the questions, whether we like them or not, this is the perception that we have. And I, I don't know if there's ever been so much um, kickoff against the Premier League before, but long may it continue because, you know, I'm not going to go as far as saying they're corrupt and have not really gone down that path, but things certainly aren't the way that they should be. Um, in the Football League or in the Premier League and I honestly think that they need a massive overhaul Yeah, good stuff Kendall, same yeah. same to you great, great to see the flags back out there and uh, you know a wonderful display by the lads Yeah, absolutely because when war flags obviously and Gallagher flags and stuff originally became a thing, it was you know a show of unity, all the fans were in agreement it was immense to go to a game and see the flags float and I remember when he obviously did the Rafa Benitez one and it was in Spanish and like that's still one of my favourite flags that I've ever seen and it was just it was brilliant and obviously again we've regardless of what's been going on as fans we've continued to be at each of them we've continued to be against each of them there's been arguing among the fan among the fan base and for the first time in weeks in months even the war flags everyone was like that's amazing that's brilliant. And it just brought the unity back to the fan base again, which is what we need in these times. We need to work together. As I've said, like imagine what we can achieve together and what we have achieved in the past few weeks. So the flag was just bringing it back, bringing it back home again, showing that really that 
our end goal is all the same, despite us being at each other's throat half the time, like we always are as Newcastle fans. Like it's just a show of unity again, and I really appreciated it for that after everything that's gone on the past few weeks. Yeah, these players are still coming in th thick and fast. Lots of great suggestions. Jack Colback. Uh, Zachary says, must be a show for one of the worst English players that we've ever had. Lots of uh, Pavel as a Jordy comments coming in. Jay Cream uh, uh, just, just basically backing up what a lot of other people have said. Rob S comes out with a classic. Uh, Nile Ranger, worst English player. Yeah, I mean, you know. Worst person. Worst, <laughs> complete waste of time that guy uh, was at Newcastle. Yeah. Unity, uh, join NUST, hashtag be united, says Tom. Thanks for that, mate. Nicholas says, great partner, the need top YouTube content. All the best. Keep the faith. Thanks very much, mate. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, as always, a great show to have you, you girls on. And Samantha, I just want to thank you especially for coming up with that tonight. It's uh, certainly going to keep people there. Uh, Keep people entertained on UFC News. <laughs> Taburi gets by a uh, bad signing. Andreas Anderson, uh, you know, um, you know, people will just go on and on and on with that. Dave Avery says, great show again tonight. Stephen, the girls, and we'll give uh, Derek Sharp. He says, John Anderson was the best free transfer ever. So uh, we'll leave you with a final comment. Thanks very much. Until next week, girls, I will see you uh, then. Thanks very much for coming on. Bye. Bye. Bye.